covering pro wrestling bell to bell. It's Talking Bumps with Tiny and Alex. Talking Bumps, we are back to normal. We got Alex with us. Hey, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, Tiny. You know, glad to have you, man. I'm so glad we could get the get this back rocking and rolling here. Let's just dive right in. I think the biggest news that we have heard so far, Alex, has to do with, um, we call him a legend now, and he is, somebody returned to Monday Night Raw, and that was, da 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 Shane McMahon is back. Yes. I kind of can't believe that he's back. He was written off back in November, October, November. He had a map KO where he was... Uh, basically wasn't going to be on screen anymore, which makes sense. He's been primarily filling a backstage role, and especially with the writing switchover. So now Bruce Pritchard is in charge of writing. Paul Heyman is gone. So I think that what he was doing was sort of assisting with that transition to the new creative team that WWE is employing. Well, let's be very clear. uh, Paul Heyman is not fired from the company. He is merely no longer in the role uh, that he was in, he's he's still going to. I don't know if he is, but I do know that he um, is now just considered a talent like everyone else. Yeah, exactly. I think they might be positioning him for something on screen. Uh, really, haven't seen him on screen except for a cameo at Money in the Bank. So, again, it's been a while since we've seen him. Obviously, because Brock Lesnar has been gone, so uh, it's been a little bit different scenario for Paul as of late. But yeah, he is no longer you know, head of the creative team, but he's still working backstage. Of course, it's Paul. He's always going to be right by Vince's side at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And Shane was there uh, to basically unveil what they're calling raw underground. Now, what I want you to do for me, Alex, I think I have a grasp on what this is, but just give us the, the bullet points of what raw underground is or is going to be. Yeah. Essentially from the reveal from this you know past Monday, it's basically like worked shoot fights. So uh, think kind of late 90s brawl for all, except that this is actually, they're, they're worked. These are totally work shoot fights. Uh, it's kind of an MMA style fighting competition. Uh, part of it is that I think it's a way for them to introduce new big talent that they really don't have time to introduce on the main roster or haven't had an avenue to introduce yet. So the first segment was this past Monday. People thought that the entire last hour of Raw, so from 10 to 11, would be just Raw Underground. That was not the case. Uh, They just had vignettes throughout that hour, uh, including ending with the Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley, MVP, and Shelton Benjamin kind of running roughshod over everybody in the uh, Raw Underground uh, area. So I think that this is something they're going to continue to use over the course of a number of weeks. People were suspecting that this would be a way for Shane McMahon to leverage some kind of new faction to come in. doesn't appear that that is going to be the case. There is a new faction that's coming to Monday Night Raw, but it doesn't have anything to do with Shane or with Raw Underground. But I think that they've done actually a, a pretty good job of setting these fights up. They, you know, it's a little, some of the commentary has been a little interesting online, of course, that people are like, well, this is, a bit strange that they're doing these sort of worked shoot fights, but I don't know. I think that in 2020, it can work. It could make sense. Okay, let me uh, let me be being the cynic that I am in a lot of ways. L- let me just put this out there because I think what's great is you and I can have the commentary about these things during talking bumps. So here's my question: You say work shoot. Isn't that what you are trying to say? Your programming is in general. 
uh, yes, I would argue that you're correct. And if you are, how does one, so by work shoot, what that says to me is that there's actually going to be punches landing. It's going to be a, a stiffer style. You know, some kicks are going to land. So let me ask you this is very yes or no. Is that what you're being led to believe it is? Yeah, I think that's what they're going for. Okay, so then my question is, if it's a work shoot, that to me says while the business is real that you're doing in the ring or on the mat or whatever, the outcome is predetermined. Now, (laughs) what does that sound like? Yes, that sounds like what they've known pro wrestling and, and sports entertainment to be for years. But let's just say, are you... You're Vince McMahon or whomever, and you are sending these guys and girls or whoever's going to be out to do this. You're going to say, okay, so competitor A, competitor B, go out there, have yourself a shoot fight, but competitor B, you're going over. Well, if you're having a shoot fight and competitor A lands a kick that knocks out B, (laughs) guess what just happened to your storyline? Gone. Absolutely. And this is, we've seen this when they did Brawl for All. Yeah. That was a huge problem. They had an idea as to who they really wanted to get over. Obviously, it didn't quite go that way. I think it would have gone a multitude of different ways had Steve Blackman been involved. Let's just throw that out there. But the interesting part is, you're right, they do have to, there's still very much a, a worked element with these fights. You know, they definitely kind of hold their punches. They don't, they don't throw as hard as you know, they normally would if they were in like a real MMA style competition. So the, the, the shoot part is more that it's out of the ring and they're bringing you these now MMA style competitions, you know, in a back room and raw. Uh, and, and is that going to resonate? Does that make sense for the modern wrestling fan? Do they, are they interested in this kind of thing? I don't think so. I really don't. I don't think so either. It's, it, it feels like they're forcing they're kind of forcing this. Well, and what it, I've heard is the case is that this is to help the severely lagging third hour of Raw. And yeah. my response to that would be, well, just do two hours. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. That's most fans. They agree. Put it to two hours. You know, Bring it back to kind of the more old school way that Raw used to do. I mean, they have more than enough talent to utilize three hours, but they can't keep people's attentions. And we've seen right. it with the... These ratings have been very, very bad the past few weeks. Oh, brother, so. they, they're they're in a tank. Hey, let's move on. Uh, how about SummerSlam? That's coming up uh, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Yeah, it's almost upon us, a couple weeks away here. Some really interesting matches that they've been building up to, and they've done a good job, I would argue, with a lot of what they're building to with SummerSlam. Some of it's kind of come out of nowhere, but for the most part, these are storylines. It's kind of long-term booking, which you know we're not really used to in WWE, but no. it's been good. Uh, so the the main match is, in my opinion, uh, Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, who are the WWE Raw Tag Team Champions, going up against Andrade and Angel Garza with Zelina Vega. That is going to be a great match. They've had a great program running so far. They've involved uh, they've involved uh, Montez Ford's wife, which is Bianca Belair, in it now. She was on Raw this past week, so it's a it's a really good program that they've run, arguably the best feud that they've been building up for the past couple of months. Drew McIntyre, who is the WWE champion, is going up against Randy Orton. This one came a little bit out of nowhere a couple weeks ago. Randy RKO'd uh, Drew. Now it's building to this actual match at SummerSlam. 
They didn't really have a good program for Drew coming in uh, to this to this pay-per-view, so they really needed to put something together. It makes sense to kind of pivot Randy away from some of his stories that he was working with some of the other legends. So this could be a really good match. Uh, Apollo Cruz, who is the United States champion, is going up against MVP. MVP is getting his rematch for that. Another really good program that they've had going on, really stemming from even before the last pay-per-view. So this is going to be another really well-booked match. I think this could be a lot of fun. And that's fine. I'm, I'm sorry to interject here. Uh, Alex, but I got to say, I think MVP is doing his best work now. Oh, it's incredible. I I never would have imagined when he had his first run that he would come back and do this. Well, and wasn't wasn't this run, wasn't it supposed to have ended like like it was supposed to be kind of like a one-off thing? Yeah, absolutely. He was supposed to make a couple of appearances, maybe get in the ring once or twice, but he was supposed to you know, essentially retire. Like he was not planning, he was not personally planning on staying and, and working any programs. He had thought that, you know, he would just do a couple appearances, couple matches maybe, and then just be a manager, something along those lines, work in the back office, work in the back room, whatever it might be. And he's just gotten over so hard with the fans because he's such a good heel. Right. He's incredible. And it's arguably, I would agree with you, Tiny. I think he's doing the best work of his entire career. And I think they, what they have managed to do as well in this um, is as far as Bobby Lashley goes, I think you know pairing them up has really pulled the nose up on Bobby Lashley's career because there was there was this hope when they first brought Lashley in uh, this, last, this last time or brought him back that it was going to pit him against Lesnar and all these hopes that people had for Lashley just did not happen in any way, shape, or form. And people had pretty much written him off. And then now, you know, especially with the whole Rusev thing, you know, he really had that scarlet letter, for lack of a better way of saying it, on him and, you know, damaged goods or whatever you want to say. And then, you know, pairing him with MVP, whoever made that decision deserves high praise because it's worked. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. That whole story that he had with Rusev and Lana, and it really didn't make a whole lot of sense from the beginning. It didn't really end up making a lot of sense towards the end of it. And I just wondered, I thought, oh, gosh, here we go again. He's going to be buried. We're not going to see him on television anymore. And the fact that they put him with MVP was just something that, again, you're right, just elevated his status, which is fantastic. He is yeah. a top guy. He should absolutely. Be. I would argue 10 years ago he was a top guy, uh, but things happen. I get it, and it's just good to see him in this position. And, and yeah, like you've described, MVP doing the best work of his entire career does not hurt. Well, we're uh, going to uh, – let's pivot away from uh, WWE, but I want to end on this. Uh, the tentative uh, idea right now is that the next draft is scheduled for October. Um this draft to me means nothing. It's never meant anything. I've always thought it was pointless to have the two separate brands, but uh, you know, whatever, far be it for me. It's here. It's here to stay. SmackDown wants their own exclusivity, and then Raw, you know, wants what what it wants. So anyway, draft is uh, apparently set for someday in October. Let's go to AEW though. Um, I want to start with this on AEW, and then I'll let you take over what you know storylines are sticking out to you. But have you heard what Chris Jericho has said this past week? um probably but frame it up for me well the one that sticks out to me is he he went over some of the the current wwe locker room stars that he thinks would do well 
in AEW, and I there is one in particular, and I, I, I would almost bet a paycheck that you and I will be on the same page here. There's one in particular who I agree would be a shining star or could and has some great matches, especially with the current roster in AEW, and that is Cesaro. Absolutely. Absolutely no question. Cesaro is a veteran known as Claudio Castagnoli when he was doing Ring of Honor. Yep. He's been around for, oh my gosh, I, I would say probably close to 20 years at this point. Yeah. He is just an incredible talent, very underutilized with Bra and SmackDown. We've seen this over the years. They get these indie guys who are hot, who have brilliant programs in the indies, and then they just can't really translate them into the WWE. Now, that's not to say that Cesaro hasn't had success with the bar and Sheamus. He's done some things. He's won the tag titles. You know, he's looked actually pretty good with this little stable that they had going with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. So it hasn't been bad for him, but I tell you what, he would flourish in oh. AEW to be a top guy. I, I dare say that, uh, and I think you might go, hmm, I hadn't thought of that, but just the the vibe that I get from Cesaro is that of a Kurt Angle in his prime. Yep, absolutely. You're absolutely right. He's got the physique. He's big. He can do big guy stuff. He can do some more athletic, agile, small guy stuff that Kurt Angle was always able yeah. to do. Doc, when he could hit a moonsault. You know, Kurt was, you know, Kurt was a machine. Cesaro is a machine. So I think that he would just, like you said, you used the proper word. He would flourish in AEW. Speaking of AEW, so uh, dive right in, man. We're gonna, we're, we're coming up on um, wrap, wrapping up here. And I got one thing as far as legends go to share. So let's uh, let's end the analysis with AEW. Yeah, I love it. Well, All Out is coming up. We're right back around. It's that time of year. Typically, it's the end of August, beginning of September, so like that Labor Day weekend. Uh, normally, it's in Chicago. If this was a normal year and we did not have to deal with the coronavirus, uh, I would be out there. Absolutely. I had already you know, planned on being out there this summer. Unfortunately, it looks like, yeah, they're not going to be doing a live show for All Out, which is just a shame. I was there last year, and it was brilliant, but they're building the storylines right now. And there's a couple that kind of stick out to me. One, MJF and John Moxley are going to have a title fight at All Out. That is huge to me because we really haven't seen MJF involved in the title picture per se. But he needs to be. He needs to be. He's the best heel in wrestling, hands down. He's done incredible work to get to this point. But it really hasn't made sense to put him into a title picture. You know, he has his... His story with Cody, he's had, you know, worked with uh, Wardlow and, you know, so they've done a lot of programs with Jurassic Express and, and different kind of pieces. I think he just kind of gets plugged in to where they need that really good heel at that moment. And AEW trusts him to do that. And now it's like, well, we're in a really good spot creatively. It's time for MJF to get that push. And he absolutely deserves it. There's no question. This is time. It's been a long time coming. I actually would not be shocked if Moxley drops the title at All Out to MJF. That would not surprise me because he has been building to this for so, so long. Do you think, though, I, I, I look back, if I were to compare MJF to a heel from when I was in my, uh, you know, my peak as far as a wrestling fan goes, which is, you know, mid to late 80s, obviously through the 90s, um, Heel work, though, I compare him to a million-dollar man. Yeah. I mean, just just such a good heel. But So that begs the question, I never thought, looking back, 
hindsight, I never would think that the Million Dollar Man ever needed the title, ever. Right. Um, you know, he created his own, which was a great angle for the Million Dollar Belt. But even if you take away the Million Dollar Championship, I don't think that Ted DiBiase ever needed a title to be able to get over as as the heel that he did. His work spoke for itself. His mic work certainly uh, spoke for itself. Now, he had a heater in, in Virgil, and that was obviously a great move. But with, I almost wonder if, to an extent, MJF is the same way. Does he... Does he need the title? I firmly believe that he needs to be and should be in the title picture, but does he need the title? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. I don't really think so. I think that he is so versatile and can get over in almost any scenario. He's he's almost, in my mind, to, to bring a you know, more modern wrestling perspective, you know, Ruthless Aggression era, he reminds me of Jericho in a lot of ways because Jericho never needed a title. He was able to cut these incredible promos, have programs with the top baby faces, and it was still believable. It still made sense. I think that MJF is very much in kind of that same position where, yes, he should be in the title picture. It makes sense. I'm actually surprised how long it took him to get to the title picture, but I think that AEW just had to have him plugged in in different feuds to get things moving in other storylines so he's bided his time i would love to see him actually win the championship but honestly he doesn't need it he yeah. could go all out and lose and and be fine not have an issue well uh you know let's wrap up here alex and i want to lay this out here have you heard about marty Janetti? i have yes i have let me just break this down for you we'll, we'll call this the the legends line sans having a legend on Marty Jannetty, one half of the Rockers, a mega popular tag team back in the late 80s, early 90s, featuring Marty Jannetty and, as we now know, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. They were a revolutionary tag team modeled after the Rock and Roll Express from the Mid-Atlantic um, area. So Marty Jannetty made a Facebook post. It's since been deleted, but obviously in this day and age, nothing has ever gone. Um, he makes a Facebook post talking about basically admitting to, quote-unquote, making a man disappear. And I'm not going to place allegations. I'm not going to, you know, verbatim repeat anything of that nature. But uh, suffice to say, he he was telling a story of when he was, I believe, was a 13 years old. Is that somewhere yep. around there? Yep. Okay. Uh, something. There was an altercation with him and another man. He said that you know he knew what the man wanted to do when they were out back of wherever they were, and Marty said on the Facebook thing, and I'm paraphrasing the quote that that was the first time that I made a man disappear. Well, now local authorities for where he said that took place have opened up an investigation. They're going to check and see if there were any missing uh, persons reports at that time, if there are any um, un unclaimed, unknown, unidentified remains. So th this has now become a thing. And I just, you know, Marty is one of those guys who he's just odd. He's he's always been odd. He he's just a, a, a he's a weird individual. Um, so who knows how true this thing is? But he he took down the post or whoever runs the social media. It probably is him. Uh, he took down the post. Boy, I've never heard of something like this happening, especially in the wrestling world. Very very bizarre. We've had some other things happen. Marty has said some things in the past that have been inflammatory. Uh, we've not heard anything like this before. This is obviously all new information. 
Uh, the crime, if there is one that has been committed, would date back to 1973. So we're talking a long time ago. Yeah. The fact that he has now come out and made a post about it is a, is a bit strange. I mean, again, he's he said and done some things in the past that were inflammatory, but nothing to this level right. where he's potentially implicating himself in a crime that he committed. I, I, that's very alarming to me. I, I mean, Marty is... He, he was an incredible talent. I don't think he was utilized correctly. That's a whole other story. But uh, this is a real shame because he is a legend. He should be treated as a legend. And the fact that he's going and making these posts is very, very damaging. To yeah, me. he certainly is not doing himself uh, any favors. Well, Alex, let's. Uh, we're going to wrap this episode of Talking Bumps up uh, on that wonderful high note of, <laughs> of a crime apparently committed years ago. But uh, certainly uh, that, along with many other things, we will we will keep you updated. Um, you know, we have had some folks ask us about the weekly content. Look, we we love to do weekly content. It's just in this day and age, it's it's, it's not feasible to do that. Uh, but we believe me, once things re, you know return to normal, okay, or as close as we can get, uh, believe me when I say that that we will do our best to make sure that we are pumping out weekly content for you. So, Alex, until next time, buddy, I want you to stay safe, and let's talk in a month, okay? Sounds good, Tiny. Talk to you soon. It's Talking Bumps with Tiny and Alex. Follow Talking Bumps on Twitter at Talking Bumps.